time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey everybody and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here and this is episode number seven of our new podcast where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton. I'm talking a ton of coffee, but most importantly, we hug our chickens every day. And kiss them too. (laughs) (laughs) Today we're drinking coffee from a local coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland, Coffee Coffee. Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we drinking today? Hazelnut. Hazelnut is really good coffee. If you're local and you like scones or really good coffee, go over to Coffee Coffee and get yourself a cup of coffee. You will not be disappointed. So, we are here January. It's cold outside. It's cold. I mean, the middle of the winter. No. We're like two weeks into winter. Oh, yeah. It just feels like the, as soon as Christmas is over, the holidays are over. It feels like, like the middle of winter. Winter, I know. You have no more use for the cold weather. And it feels that. like, because fall was, we had like the snow before the holidays and big right. snow. It just felt like winter was there all along. No, actually, when you think about it, one month before we had that big snowstorm, it had been 80 degrees. I know, and then we were complaining, like, it's never going to be right. chilly. And then all of a sudden, boom, we have six inches of snow. snow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, we're, it's mid-January, and we're just trying to stay warm, keep the chickens warm. Right. How have you been? Fine. I will spend the next two months complaining about the cold, because I detest the cold weather. <laughs> Me too. Suck it up and get over it. <laughs> Both of us. Yeah. <laughs> it's cold outside. Oh, my God. What you know... Having sheep is kind of fabulous because I really don't worry about the. It has to be pretty cold for me to worry about the sheep being cold. I mean, their wool is so thick. Yeah. I mean, it's the epitome of saying like, sheep has like this huge coat on. They do. They have they have huge um, woolly blankets on their bodies right now. So. I mean, you can't even feel through it. It's so thick. When right. I put my hands on it. It's like. Uh, oh, it's really dense, especially on the Hog Island girls. Oh yeah. yeah. So I'm really relieved to have sheep. Because I worry about the chickens when it gets super cold. The chickens, I worry about. Like uh-huh. When you walk back and their little, poor little legs are so red, but you know that their body's working because it's sending all that blood to the extremities right, right. and warming them up. Yeah. They're back there and you're like, but we have to remember they are tiny dinosaurs. They are tiny dinos. It's really the cold wind is the problem. And that's why those tarps that I put up, I right. mean, I, they really do come in handy. And the straw bales to block some of the wind. Yes. Well, yes. Even on the outside of the run, I've right. been putting some around. So, Yeah, and I will really try to control myself and not whine for the next two months. It's going to happen here and there, though. It's going to happen with me. I'm not even going to try to see. <laughs> <laughs> so... We want to take a minute to tell you about Iowa Blue Farm. They make 100% all-American oven-dried black soldier fly grubs for all different kinds of poultry. So we have chickens, but other people might have turkeys or geese or ducks. They all love them. My girls come running for them. The blue bag. Yes, and it's so important right now when the winter layers are starting to lay again to have that concentrated source of protein and calcium. Both, because you want your eggs to have a nice hard shell on them and to be healthy and these grubs who wouldn't want a little bit of boost of protein in the winter time right and i mean mine i, I swear to you they can see this blue bag from a mile away oh yeah mine like do. they come they come in. flying and running and, and shrieking when they see this bag i mean and it's so nutritious for them that you don't feel bad oh no no if you haven't tried these grubs for your poultry you should really 
go over to their website, iowabluefarm.com. And as always, they they do free shipping. Yes, always free. Always free. And they're baked with love. Yes. Always. Okay, so with that said, let's move on. What's our breed spotlight? It's the Iowa Blue Chicken. Dun, dun, dun. So when we when Iowa Blue Farms first started um, sponsoring us during our podcast launch, right? I was curious where the name came from, right? And the business owner Jackie said there were a couple of reasons that she came up with Iowa Blue, but it is the name of a breed of chicken, which a, we discovered through all of us. Yes, it's a beautiful, rare breed American chicken. The Iowa Blue was developed in Iowa. Of course. Around the turn of the last century, so the early 1900s. They're currently not recognized by the American Poultry Association, and they're also not recognized as a heritage breed by the Livestock Conservancy. Which is a little sad, which means they won't kind of get under that umbrella of protection. Right, they don't have the support. They don't have the support, but it is a very beautiful chicken. They really are beautiful. They share some traits with Java chickens, which are really an old-style heritage breed. And we are going to be talking about Java chickens. We will in a so couple of weeks. So hold on to your pants for that one. That's yes. a good one. And there's this sort of folk legend about the Iowa Blue. They are supposedly, this legend says they're a cross between a white leghorn hen and a pheasant. That's so strange to me. It is, and apparently pheasants and chickens are from the same order. So they can mate. They can, and they can cross, and they do make a really interesting offspring. But what what but, we were looking at is this chicken does not have white ear lobes. No, it doesn't have it a, doesn't lay a white egg. No, it doesn't really have too many leghorn traits. And I think that if they do make that hybrid chicken pheasant, I, I don't think that it can continue to create it, it, I don't think it breeds true is what I'm trying to say. Exactly. Like it's not gonna breed the same each time. So it's a fun legend. But it's a fun legend, but so basically what we're saying is you no one really knows. Right. The Livestock Conservancy did study the breed. They were on their study list for a while, but there's they really had no way to find documentation about the development of the breed, and ultimately they did leave them off the poultry conservation list. The one thing when I look at the chicken is the tail does go straight up, which does remind you of a Mediterranean breed. Right. And Maybe the, not the leghorn. Well, know. there are a lot of breeds that share that, that trait. And, exactly. And, and the, it stands more straight straight up versus right breeders say that 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 upright sort of fantail is the hallmark of a purebred Iowa blue chicken right they also have these beautiful dark eyes they're very noticeable when you see one of them I mean the colors on them are just striking they uh, yeah I can't say enough of how, how pretty I think they are they're not truly blue no they sort of have a silvery colored head yeah and well, they're like white and black kind of with a silver like penciling silver yes. penciling they have red earlobes again they don't have the white earlobe of a mediterranean and they have breed. slate legs slate blue legs and feet yeah so i mean that will tell you kind of different crossbreeds even americanas that have slate legs right different types of chickens and illusions and they lay like a creamish color egg which would lend more towards like I don't want to say like an Easter egg, but maybe no, but a mixed breed of some. Or maybe one of the European breeds that are not Mediterranean specific. Right. It's really hard to know. Um, what we do know is that there are two color varieties. There's a silver pencil, which would, if they were accepted by the American Poultry Association, the silver pencil would probably be the right. variety that was accepted. There's also a birchen. The birchen, interestingly enough, they do know how the birchen was created, and it was breeding Iowa blues back to black leghorns and Fayumis, the Egyptian Fayumi. That is very interesting, and what a time to learn about this exactly. when we were just talking about that About breed. the Fayumis, right. Now, the black leghorn, I did look them up. That 
does seem to resemble more of the that chicken more than like a white you could see it right but it still doesn't have the white earlobes right i think it may remain a mystery which I guess unless someone did genetic typing on it. Maybe. I guess you'd have to have... So, yeah. So what we're saying is that it's a really beautiful chicken that we need to figure out more about and do right. more studies on. Yes. And maybe put a little bit under that umbrella of protection so that we can figure it out. They lay good eggs. They're considered dual purpose. Right. And the hens do go broody. Yes. So that's good if you want to hatch chickens. On the other hand, we say this all the time. Sometimes it's not your friend to have a broody hen. <laughs> if you're trying to breed for conservation, a broody hen is a good thing, though. Yeah. If yeah. you want to keep the Iowa blue going and you want to breed, that you want that. The other thing is they're excellent foragers. Yes, yes. Which is a good trait for any chicken. It is. It's. I mean, again, the turn of the century, when you were letting your chickens range, that was, that was something that's important. right? to find something to keep themselves going, and then... The other thing that we found out is that the brews are excellent defenders. Yes, and I saw in more than one place that they're supposed to be very good defenders against hawks. Personally, that's not a position I would want my rooster to be in if you could avoid it at all. I mean, I would want to avoid that too, which right? means, you know, you don't want to just leave them out. We talked about that before about free ranging. Honestly, and this is this is our take. This is just our opinion and what we would do. There's not a breed alive that I would let free range unsupervised. Not if you're in a an area, area where right. you have high predators, which exactly. both of us do. So, you know, we always do supervised. But, I mean, it's that's one of the things they're known for, is right. being able to defend against the hawks. Right. So that's right. good. And like a lot of heritage and rare breeds, it's the same story. The Iowa Blue fell out of favor as farms and small hatcheries were replaced by larger industrialized companies. The demand for industrial purpose breeds, so either meat breeds or High egg breeds. production egg breeds. Exactly. Leghorn is one of them. Exactly, right. There is an Iowa Blue Chicken Club. Which um, I found so interesting. That yeah, we put the URL for it in the notes, and it's a website that's worth looking into if you have any interest in this breed at all. Which is it's so cool. Like, even just a study a breed if you're not going to be able to get the chicken it's really cool to to look back at the different ones and learn a little bit about their past it really is and again they're just a pretty chicken they're very it really is yeah I the roosters especially at, they're beautiful they are yeah so in 2012 the iowa blue chicken club formed they they really were working to bring the breed back from that endangered status and one of their stated goals is to pursue american poultry association acceptance which isn't really too much to ask if it's being bred and you want the chicken to come back. Right. The American Poultry Association, I think you have to have a sponsor. You have to, someone has to sponsor the breed. Okay. And there are a lot of boxes that need to be checked. Before that they'll... Exactly. But again, they do talk more about a proposed breed standard on the website. So again, if you're interested, it's worth checking them out, iowabluechickenclub.com. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So as I was looking, I didn't see a lot of negatives about the breed other than the fact that they have fallen out of favor and they're so hard to get your hands on. We couldn't really find a ton of places where you can actually get your hands on this Right. Bird. The wonderful Sand Hill Preservation Center in Iowa has really been instrumental in bringing this breed into the 21st so century. that would be number one, the place to check. They do offer breeding stock. One of the only negatives I found about the breed is that the silver pencil birds okay. are subject 
telaryngotracheitis. Now that is a mouthful. It really is. <laughs> and this was according to feathersite.com. That's where I, I saw this. And they speculate that this could be due to inbreeding. Okay. But there is an immunization that's effective. And it's recommended for anyone who wants to keep an Iowa blue flock. And the hope is that with selective breeding, they'll be able to get past this particular right. health problem. That would be good. Yeah, where we're in the future with repeated breeding, all flocks would be immune to this. And with this day and age, and breeding backyard chickens like so popular uh-huh. and becoming up and coming and the thing to do for everyone, that's when you want to see the resurgence of these types of chickens that kind of have fallen out, which is kind of right. cool. Like someone say, you know, Iowa blue hen, you know, to take in this type of chicken and, and, and nurse it back, put it right. back on the map would be great. These heritage breeds that we've been talking about, and we're going to include the Iowa blue in there because they're yeah. clearly a, an American they've heritage breed. they around a long time. They are not appropriate for these industrial settings, but that's not what we want them for. They're appropriate for a backyard setting. Right. They, they would make perfectly good pet chickens. Right. They're beautiful. They lay eggs. If you want to hatch eggs, they go broody. If right. you want to breed them for conservation, they're certainly a worthy breed. And let's look at it this way. Backyard chicken farming is not about industrializing chickens. Not even it's close. About loving chickens and farming and nursing them to give them yummy eggs for you to eat at your table. (laughs) (laughs) So you think that we've said all that we can really say about... I think so. Again, I had a lot of fun doing the research on this chicken. I didn't even know they existed and I've had, I've been, I've had chickens for 20 years and been a 4-H kid. I loved it and looking at the pictures of this chicken were just fun to me and to see how beautiful it is. And there's yet another beautiful rooster out there. They're gorgeous roosters. Okay, so why don't we pop into our main topic for today, which it's always not fun to deal with, but it's always best to be prepared. It is, yeah. With chicken farming backyard, something can happen at any moment. You don't know when it's going to happen, and that's the whole point of it. To be prepared for a medical emergency is a key. Absolutely. I mean, any kind of livestock I've ever kept, or, you know, or pets, dogs, cats, my sheep, any of them. Humans. I I mean, we all should be prepared for something that's going to happen to us. So we keep a first aid kit, and we, you know, tailored to each animal. There's a sheep first aid kit in our cabinet, and there's a chicken first aid kit in our cabinet. I mean, and honestly, the first aid, we're going to, if you haven't guessed already, we're going to talk about keeping a first aid kit for your chickens, which, you know, everyone, some thinks about it you have the best intention to do it and then right. it's one of those things that you don't do until something happens right and then oh no and it's great if it happens and you have time to run out to the farm supply store right it's not so great if what you need a is not carried at the farm supply store or, or if it's after p.m. hours exactly <laughs> on a sunday morning or or after yeah. four on sundays yes things just pop up at bad times it and you if it's happened to you it's happened to yes. me yeah. and to have these things on hand can take a little bit of the stress away from it yes to be able to be prepared for what's hitting you is is a good idea oh, so yeah. we're going to talk about what we want to have in that first aid right and we will also put this list in our show notes because i think it's so important it's when we first started talking about doing this podcast i wanted to this was one of my main things I wanted to talk about yes. is to help everyone be prepared because I'm right there with everybody. Right, right. And, you know, to be prepared is keeps you one step ahead. 
of anything that could potentially happen. It does. So let's we, talk about what are the few of the basic things uh -huh. that you should have in this first aid kit. The number one is vet wrap. If everyone, okay, so I was, I'm a retired veterinary technician, was in the field for 15 years, so I know exactly what vet wrap is. Yes. Vet wrap is also called co Coflex. It's a wrap in which it's a sturdy wrap that adheres to itself. Yes. So it's a wrap that you can put over gauze, over something to keep right. something stable or to make a bandage. And you can get it in local feed stores. Right. You can order it. Yes, you can order it on Amazon or almost any other place. Yeah. Where we are, some of the Walmarts actually carry it in yeah. the more rural parts of Maryland. Yeah, so having it on hand, and it comes in fun color. So you, it that's does. one thing you get to do. You get to pick a fun color that you have. And honestly, bandaging a chicken foot without it would be a nightmare. When I was a kid, you know, I grew up with horses. And when I was a kid, if there were a leg injury, you would have to wrap it and pin it. Yeah. You'd have to pin. And that's where vet wrap came in at exactly. first, is the use in horses. Right. And then it crossed over into the veterinary medical field, yes. in which it was used for small animal practice. Right. And chicken that are under, the, under that umbrella. That's now. right. That's right. So vet wrap, Coflex, it's inexpensive. Always have it. Buy multiple. It usually costs about $2 a roll. It's I buy so like five or six rolls at a time. So that would start us with what you're going to have in case you have to have a bandage. Right. So roll galls, four by fours, which are galls uh -huh. that you can cut right. into any shape that you need. Mm -hmm. I like the two by twos for chicken foot things. Yes. Say you have bumble foot, it's yep. really easy to get them down to shape. Yes. And the two by two is the perfect size for a bigger rooster foot. It's a little smaller. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So gauze squares. And then we have the ointments that we may need right. if these things come up. So neosporin, silver, ointment, iodine, those types of things. Also craft sticks. This is a personal thing for me. For splinting. For splinting. Because, mm -hmm. you know, we talked about it. We joked about how Drusilla came to your house this summer because of her leg injury. Right. But that was scary. Right, right. Not knowing I what mean, was wrong with her. open up the coop in the morning and have her come out and have this really strange gait and uh -huh. not be able to walk on one leg. Right. And, you know, you need to splint it. Yeah, so right. So thinking about the size of a leg, craft sticks are perfect. Popsicle stick. What we used to call popsicle sticks, yeah. but they're essentially craft and sticks. And you can yeah. cut them to anything you need. Right. And at one point I thought it was her toe, so she had a toe splinted. That's right. She <laughs> did have a toe splinted. And then in with the bandage thing is white tape. Yes. White tape is, if you need to bandage something, it's a medical tape. The so adhesive, it's not, the white adhesive tape. Adhesive tape, right. It's not going to, you know, mess with their skin on uh -huh. their legs. So those are the types of things for bandaging, for cuts. Right. For you have an attack. For bumblefoot. For bumblefoot, definitely. So the other things that we were going to talk about are the things that you might not even think about. But, again, I've been hit by this. And you helped me out, this polyvisol. Yeah, liquid vitamins. Liquid vitamins. Mm -hmm. And this is something that it's not even in the, the chicken section. It's in the human section. Right. It's usually found with infant medications. Right. It's, it's polyvisol is liquid vitamins for infants. And with, for chickens, you want it without iron in it. Yes, no without iron the iron. It. Right. It's packed full of vitamin E, which sometimes... If rye neck, if, yes. you, if you have a chicken that developed rye neck. Mostly in chickens under a year. Exactly. Usually it's a deficiency in that case. There's other reasons, other things that can cause that, but 
this is it's a good thing to have on hand i think it expires in about six months once you've opened it right so twice a year so you probably have to replace it it's twice like 15 a year dollars yeah. a bottle right but it's well worth it to have yes because you tend to notice again this thing when you're putting people in for the night or first thing in the morning yes when you really don't have and time to run out yeah. yeah so you know that type of thing that you should have and that goes along with like the enzymes that you can get at the feed probiotics store. electrolytes mm -hmm. that you're going to add into I, the water right rooster booster is a good one to keep on hand if you mm -hmm. need a little bit of a booster boost with the vitamins definitely tums yeah. tums if there's any if you need a calcium boost right tums are a way to pump that up so i keep that in my first aid kit also we keep them on hand for the chickens and the sheep yes. if you have a mild belly up with the sheep sometimes well the lamb, our lamb Phoebe will actually eat them like candy. <laughs> well, some people do too. Right. But Phoebe's, a, Phoebe's an unusual lamb in that she's a bottle lamb. So. so the other things that I, you know, we've been talking about are dewormers. You should always yes. have them on hand. It's always good to periodically give them some natural ways to, you know, it, if something happens, they haven't they can cut down on something like pumpkin is known to so help. some of the natural preventatives prevent to prevent it but, but if, if you're you having a problem right you know you want to have some dewormers on hand right and the our standard used to be wazine that is discontinued it is i was really sad to hear that because it was one of the few dewormers that you could put in the flux water and they would all drink it and now there's more capsules out Right. So what we have switched to, it's also broad spectrum. It takes care of a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's a safeguard, yeah. which I've used for years with with the livestock too. And you can open it up and... Fembed is all right. And put it on some food that right. you're going to give them right away and right. watch them take it down. The downfall is that you have to dose individual chickens with it. Yes, and you have to do it again in 10 days. Right, right. But if you're having a parasite problem, which can happen to all of us... Yes. It's probably the, and the it's nothing safest. I'm sad about. It's going to happen. Right, it's going to happen. It's totally natural. But we think Safeguard is probably the best broad spectrum dewormer to have on hand, safety yeah. wise, etc. Exactly. Corid powder and proleum. And I always have the liquid. And I have the powder. They both work. So crazy. Aha, uh -huh, that's funny. I bought the liquid. So that's where we're talking about another thing we can add in your first aid kit is to have dosing syringes or uh -huh. droppers right right definitely so i like the glass eye droppers with a little bit of a bent tip yeah they work really well for us and i've used the tuberculin syringe which is a syringe that only to the very top is one ml right so it's very small amounts that you can give right and also a syringe that goes up to three mls because sometimes you're giving a medication that you're giving or water if you have to give them water or the dropper bulb, like you said, can do that. Yeah, too. with the bent dropper. So the Corid or Amprolium is for coccidiosis. Coccidiosis, which a lot of them can have. It, it happens easily. If you have someone who's had chronic diarrhea, I mean, you can go have a fecal done, but yeah. some, I would I would start them on Corid right yeah. away. And you have to really just, when you get these dewormers and you put them in, your, in, in the first aid kit, just read up on them because... You need to understand the instructions. And yes. Some of them have to be repeated. Some of them do not. Some right. are daily. Some are one time. And some there is a withdrawal from being able to, to eat the eggs. Eat the eggs. Right, right. So you have to give the medication time to run through the chicken system and through the eggs, and you don't eat them. Right. So, you know, we're saying to have this stuff on hand, but 
keep an eye on reading instructions and looking at Absolutely, them. and check your expiration dates too. Yes. Most things are, most of these things we're talking about are good for multiple years. Yes. But you don't want to be in desperate need of something and pop open your emergency kit and find that it expired a You're year like, ago. Oh, no. Yeah, that won't work, right. The other thing is, and you put this one on here, super glue. Which I didn't think about. Super glue, right. So one of my girls had a slash a, a slash injury on her. Okay. And the vet could not make it out. And he told me to super glue the skin together. There is a glue that veterinarians use. There is, is, right. The right. version, it's a medical version of super glue. Right. We ended up not doing it because the cut was more shallow than we thought. Okay. And we just kept it clean and we sprayed it out with Viteracin. Okay. But the other place we used it was on a ripped beak. Okay. So beaks are like the same material that fingernails, fingernails are made out of. Exactly. Right. And when they're torn, it can go below the quick, the same right. way a fingernail can. And it, the, the chicken beak is filled with all kinds of nerve endings. They, yeah. they really use their beak the way we use our fingers. Oh, yeah. So if they have a tear, you can, and, and there's a place to make it adhere, you can tamp it down with the super glue. Right. And keep it from tearing more while it heals. Right. And just keep an eye on it. It'll heal from the inside out. Right. And just keep an eye. And the other thing that you mentioned was the Vetterson. Yeah, yeah, Vetterson. And that is always good to have on hand. It's a little more expensive, but you're only going to buy one bottle of it and have it in there. I've used it multiple times. Definitely. I use it for all of the animals. It's basically planes of wounds. Right. we all have had the chicken that pecks the other chicken in the comb. Right. And you go back there and you see it. Th- this is good to clean the wound. You can u- pretty much use it on any wound with the exception of maybe puncture wounds. Right. Yeah. You just want to you just want to clean it out, get get it going. You want to have this on hand in your first aid kit. The other thing that we were talking about beaks and toenails, if they get a ripped toenail, uh-huh. quick stop is good for a powder. It comes in a powder. A blood stop powder, yeah. Or you can use cornstarch. You can. You can use cornstarch And that is the natural way to stop that. If you get a nail caught in a fence or something like that. Even if you're trimming a nail and you hit the quick. Yeah. Now, we do have a... We have a blood stop powder, and there's also a blood stop gel that I've used in an emergency, and we keep them on hand because of the sheep. The dogs. The the cats. Well, the Jacob sheep are way too prone to break their horns. Oh, yeah. And that's another thing that's going to have a blood supply in it. Exactly. That you're going to need to Blood and nerves. So it's really good for that. In a pinch, you can use flour even, too. You can. Yeah. Anything to just sort of help the blood coagulate. Blue coat's another really good one for, like, pecked combs, that sort of thing. Foot injuries. It, it sort of eliminates a lot of that bright red color that right. makes them, you know, bright red blood that puts them in their dinosaur killing yeah, frenzy, right? This is, the, this is the thing that we're talking about is chickens are brutal when it comes to if there's a wound. Yeah, they can be. They see blood and they're going after it. Right. Dinosaurs. <laughs> You're, you have to protect everyone. You have to protect that chicken from everybody else. Right. Plus the wound. So, you know, having these things on hand now, I use green goo uh-huh. for a lot of stuff. Yeah. Even combs that are dry. Poppy just got the other day somebody because it, they're so cold. Uh-huh. I've been putting green goo on the combs to keep them kind of moist. But right. her comb got pecked. Oh, yeah. So I put the green goo on there and cleaned it. And you, that stuff I use constantly. Yeah, the green goo is great, especially if you don't want to, to deal with the messiness of blue coat. And the other thing is it has a scent to it, so they stay away from it. Right, right, that herbal smell. That yeah, herbal yeah. smell. It's a great thing to have on hand. You can use it for minor frostbite. 
You can use it as a frostbite preventative if it's not going to be super cold. Yeah, and Vaseline is, if you don't have it or you don't have it yet, Vaseline will work the same way. Right, and Vaseline is also great in the case of scaly leg mite. Like our rescue roosters had terrible you scaly leg mite. Them. You smother them with the Vaseline. You can you can also put a drop of VetRx. VetRx is nice to have on hand as a natural way to help a chicken with some minor respiratory issues. Right. But you can put a drop of VetRx in your Vaseline, whip it up, and then coat the legs with it to help get rid of scaly leg mite. Right. We also keep a bunch of like really practical stuff on hand. KY jelly for lubrication. Yes. Let's see, gloves, sterile gloves. We were even talking about a headlamp because yes. say you're by yourself and you don't have somebody to hold a light, you need to get you need to see what you're doing with a wound or with whatever. Right. Um, that's always a good thing to have in there. And like we said, this could be a first aid kit for the house and all the animal. Every animal. I actually don't, well, you're not going to laugh because you know me. I have a headlamp in my bag. I keep it in my bag. <laughs> because if I have to if, if I have to feed the animals after dark. Well, yeah, you have to go to the farm. Right. I need to be able to see. Um, Pete bought me one soon after we started dating. Because he was like, you're trying to feed with your, you've got a cell phone light in one hand yeah. and your feet in the other. So, so much it, easier. It changed my life to have my, and my headlamp. And Joe is addicted to flashlights. <laughs> So that's only, you know, that goes right with flashlights. Right. So we probably have five headlamps that he Awesome. Has. So the headlamp is a really good thing to have. We said tweezers. I have a pair of medical grade forceps. Yeah. Alligator forceps. They're yep. the ones that look like little alligator mouth at yes. the end. Yes. And they're good if, say, a stick stuck in the foot. All you know, kinds of things. Yeah. I mean, you just don't know what could happen. I've used them when I was cleaning up Bumblefoot. Yeah. It, you know, they're just helpful to sort of hold some things back while you clean. Yes. I have a curette as well. Oh, yeah. For debriding. Yes. Once you've dealt with a bad case of bumblefoot, it's something that you might want to keep on hand. Yeah. Nail clippers. Nail trimmers we have for everybody. Right. So chickens, you know, they do have nails. They, they can do. grow out. They can get stuck on something. Right. So you want to be prepared for any of that stuff that's going to come along. A good file is, is helpful, too, if you get a jagged toenail. I file the ends of some of my boys, well, Ricardo. I file the ends of Ricardo's spurs because they're like daggers. Oh, my God. Because he's so big. Yeah. So we just give him a pedicure, and I file it so that it's rounded oh, and yeah. smooth. Yeah, it works really well. Towels to wrap. Blankets. Right. To wrap animals in. To give medication. Right. The number one thing that should be a part of your first aid kit that we haven't even mentioned yet is a portable hospital. Yes. So a, a, a large size dog crate right. or a pop up. Yeah, they work perfectly. A, and a safe place where you can put this. Uh huh. So that this. This one can be a chicken that has an injury, an illness can be separated for an hour to however many, like for days, right? Six weeks, right? Okay, so you need a place to put them, and this is something I did not know first having chickens. Okay, you know we had the four buffs, and then little girl was my little girl. I love this chicken, right? And she had a lot of health problems, Uh and you don't know that they're going to go after another chicken and you don't know that you're going to have to take them out where are you going to put them right so number one thing should be to always have a place to put them yes a large it doesn't have to be a super big dog no we have a small dog crate i it's not even a medium it's smaller than that that we use for a single animal that's sick and they either go in our basement or in my art studio yeah usually in our basement and then we have a soft-sided pop-up the pop-ups are Awesome. Yeah, yeah, and we have one of them, and we will use that for the same thing. If, if there's a chicken that's mobile, 
but ill and needs to be the pop up is the best right because they have they can get up and move a little bit it's I a mean, really I good thing to have on hand the other thing the pop ups are good for if you have a weather emergency that's true let's look at this too because all around the country there's different weather emergencies right. and you're like okay to California you got fires uh, right to to blizzards to hurricanes you're not going to want to leave your chickens out in the elements. Oh, no. So you have a garage, you have a basement. I always thought in the beginning that the soft-sided pop-ups, they would try to peck through, Yeah. they do not. No, no, uh-uh. So these, if you have multiple chickens, you know, one pop-up, the large ones might fit like three or four chickens for a day or two. Right. So have them on hand They're as part of your first aid kit. Right, you can zip off the top end or the bottom. I mean, the whole reason we got them. and then the top Exactly. The whole reason we got them to begin with was to safely have chicks outside to enjoy the grass. So yes. we would zip the bottom off. And I use them for that, too. Right. That also, so they, you use them for everything. You really do. They're they're a fantastic thing to keep on hand. And then Joe always puts my pop-ups away, and I'm yelling, where'd you put my pop-up? <laughs> and they fold down so nicely, too. They're flat. Yeah. So, like, you can just put it behind something right. and forget it until you need it. So they take up much less space. So having that, I, I mean, so the first aid kit should now that it's well stocked uh-huh the other thing you know it's you don't want anything to ever happen but if it does you want to be you're prepared, prepared. right so god forbid when, you know and i can talk from my own experience stuff happens it does as much as you don't want it to and you're like what uh, uh, i you know even with drew i remember talking to you when it happened uh-huh. and i didn't have craft sticks oh right I'm like, right i'm like Girls, do we have popsicles? <laughs> Eat fast. <laughs> Melt a popsicle. <laughs> you know, you can always run out somewhere, but you definitely, you know, want to have it. Yeah, the more you can be prepared with, the better off you are. Because it is so stressful, especially if it's an emergency you've never dealt with before, something new. Yeah. I mean, just with even anybody. So if you have an emergency with a person, you call 911, the people are prepared with all these things. Right, right. If you have an emergency with an animal, you, there's usually emergency vets that are open 24-7. Some of them are not equipped to take care of chickens. That's true, right, right. So in those off hours, say we all have a chicken vet, but they might not be open 24-7. They're not that emergency vet. You have to have means to take care of them. Right. And deal with these things that could well, happen. Well, you know, my vet will do chickens, but if I text him at 10 p.m. with an emergency, he's going to say, do this, this, and this. And if I don't have those things on hand... It's just the supplies. Right. I can't do those things. So. Plus, it calms you down a little bit knowing that you can do something. It's, it's definitely a sense of security to know you have some things in place. Yeah. Yeah. So now that we've got our first aid kit... We have our first aid kit. We got a cup of coffee. Yes. What should we do? Should we crack some eggs and make something? <laughs> we should. Yeah. I, would, I think so. So, to lighten the mood a little bit, this is one of my favorite things, and it's old school. It's very old school, yeah. Now, here in Very old-fashioned. We have a thing called snowballs. Right. And I don't know if anybody else has them, but uh, growing up, I always got, my mother always got a custard yes, flavor. Yes, a custard flavor. And with marshmallow on top. And yeah. then that's what I have. And now I've trained the girls. They don't even know what egg custard really is too much. But they know that's the flavor you want. They know that's what you get. So what we're going to do, we're going to crack some eggs <laughs> <laughs> and yes. make some egg custard pie. Right. So custard cannot exist without eggs. Oh, this exactly. Is, this is not a dessert you can really recreate without eggs, egg custard. And custard is essentially 
it's a mixture of eggs, milk, and cream. You see that over and over in, des in desserts. Yes. So you use that, like, it's the basis for bread pudding and a bunch of other yes. things like that. But egg custard can also hold its own as a dessert. It, it is a thing, egg custard. And it used to be able to get it in custard dishes. It would be egg custard. Exactly. But then people started putting it in a pie as well. So egg custard pie because is a thing. Because it tastes so good with a nice crust. Exactly. So it becomes a pie filling. So one of the interesting things about it is the fact that it relies on eggs for its structure and stability. When you think about a lot of recipes, eggs are what binds everything together. That's right. That's so, right. hey, it's cre it's creating its own thing. I mean, like when you make a ricotta mixture for lasagna, you put the egg to keep that. Right, right. When you... It's a binder. If you're right. making anything, the egg is going to bind it all together. So it makes sense. And things like traditional pastry creams yes. um, that a pastry chef will be making, eggs, where they added most to the structure. Now... Modern chefs tend to use some cornstarch for added stability. Which, you add that to soups to thicken. You, you, it's a you thickener. Use, exactly. You use that in so many places, except traditional egg custard. So it's that not in the traditional no, egg custard. No, okay. no. And sometimes you do see it in the pie filling, but, but most of the time when you do a pie filling for an egg custard pie, you're going to add some butter, yes. and that's what's going to add your structure. I mean, all these ingredients, how can you go wrong with this? <laughs> so real, what we call real egg custard, what we grew up with, is it's super silky smooth, but still light. Right. And it contains only eggs, sugar, milk, nutmeg, because half of the Maryland desserts have to have nutmeg. Everything has nutmeg in it. And vanilla and a pinch of salt. That's it. And all those are so good. Right. Like, how can you go wrong You with really that? can't. Recipes will vary. If you looked up an egg custard recipe right now, you might see some recipes that call for separating the, an egg white or two, beating that, and then folding it back in. Okay. Because I, I it's not that I'm a lazy baker, but I don't, I don't often want to separate eggs for no good reason because I don't have a use for the egg whites. I was going to say, I, when I separate an egg, I do not want to give up that egg white. Exactly. I end up cooking it for the chickens right. if I have nothing so, else to do, or the dogs. Right. So I, I prefer to use whole eggs in egg custard as well as other things. So my recipe, the one I got from my grandmother, okay, used the whole eggs. So what you would do is you would scald milk in a saucepan. Okay. Then you would temper the eggs. Which is, the tempering eggs, if you don't know, and I did this for my pumpkin pies this year, is you add a little bit at a time in, and you stir it constantly. If you don't, what can happen is your egg is going to cook. Right. So you're going to have like a scrambled egg inside where you don't right. want that. You have you will have cooked egg bits, and it's very unappetizing. <laughs> if you're making, say, lemon curd, you can strain that out. Yeah. Or whiskey sauce. Right, like we've talked um, about before. But an egg custard, you cannot. So tempering the eggs, you're going to add in just a little bits at a time uh -huh. to warm. And then the, right. stirring constantly. So you're, you're trying to get to a homogenous temperature so, so it, it can all work together. Slowly. Right. So you scald your milk, you temper your eggs, and then if you're just making the custard, you would pour it into, we used to have little bowls, they were called custard cups. And now they're called ramekins. Ramekins, right. So you would pour the mixture into that and you would probably bake them in a water bath. So you'd set the ramekins in a baking dish with and maybe an inch of water in it. Okay, and it kind of steams them too, I guess. It steams them, it keeps them moist. Yeah. Um, it keeps that silky, custardy texture. So obviously you're not gonna bake your pie in a water bath. No. So that's where you include the butter so you have a stabilizing fat in there. Right. Pie crust for egg custard pie usually needs to be pre-baked. 
Okay. Do you know if you're doing an apple pie, you it's bake a, it at once. It's 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 a long bake because you're baking fruit, but the custard doesn't take anywhere near. Kind of like pumpkin pie. Right. You don't. Right. You have to bake that first. Yes. That's what. Well, it depends on your recipe too. I think you like I've done it both. I think I've done it both ways. With the custard, there's no getting around it. You, you have, have to bake the, the crust completely. You can either par bake it or bake it completely, depending on your recipe. Right. What I suggest is baking it the whole way. Right. Because a custard does not take that long to bake. No, it's not going... I mean, when you look at your ingredients, it's not going to take no, that no. long and to bake that. The eggs heat up pretty quickly. So that it's really that simple. You either do it in your custard cups or you do it in your favorite pie crust. Uh, and again, you can maybe change this. This is what we always talk about, making this your own. Uh -huh. A little bit of coconut on top would be delicious with that. Yes, except Pete won't eat coconut. So... <laughs> No coconut in my house. Ah, but you know what? I mean, it would like just a little bit, like kind of mixed in. It's. I mean, it's similar to coconut cream pie. Yeah, but you could change it up a little bit or add something to you know. But the but definitely recipe sprinkle that nutmeg on top. You need that nutmeg. If you don't have nutmeg, <laughs> it's really a custard without nutmeg. It's not. So we got the pie. We're going. I mean, like that's that's a comfort food. Right it there. really is. So you get pie coffee together. We're together. What do we like to do? Shop. Shop. So let's move on to <laughs> the therapy. <laughs> I can't help it. It's I think fine. we need a soundboard. Yes. Because then that will stop me. Chrissy, the human soundboard. We'll have I to retire you. The I'm not sure. I want you to have a soundboard. I just know you think if we have a soundboard, you're not allowed to be the. It, it can't be near you. It I to have to. Okay. Okay. I have. I am sound matrix over here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, let's focus. Jerry's always shop. like, please stop with the sounds. I've never known you to not make sounds. I mean, I pretend, but no. It's, <laughs> it's so much fun. You've always done it, yeah. Okay, so retail therapy. Retail therapy. Today we're talking about something everyone kind of might know. This company's kind of gotten big over the few last Oh, yeah, few years. they've become very popular. We're talking about fluffy layers. Right. And they are, which... We talk about Maryland-based. That's also. right. That's right. So Tara Greer is the the head, the founder of Fluffy Layers. She grew up in Annapolis, Maryland, right? And currently lives, or the business is currently based in Odenton, Maryland, which is right outside of Annapolis, right? And so she studied fashion and design in college, and then after she got married and was having kids, she moved back home to Maryland. I mean, she even went to New York, apparently, right? Right, and. and worked in the fashion industry exactly there. for a while and then came home to have a family and then she raised some chickens got chickens yes and realized hey i want to be i want to be chicken glam chicken glam that's true she started making chicken feeders out of old chandeliers this is according to her website yeah chicken feeders out of old chandeliers and she started designing really cute farm chicken Prince. In which she wanted to be chicken glam, which that's how we all want to be. Right, it's true. Yeah. So, you know, back even when I started five, six years ago, she, I think she wasn't even in at that point. She started the business in 2014, and one of the taglines is, there's a bit of farm girl in all of us, so I think her stuff is really appeals to people across the board. It does. Whether you have animals or whether you're thinking about getting them. Yeah, so she basically had a need for some things and wanted to be stylish with it and started out looking for these things, being a designer herself, and could not find it. Right. And if you go to her website and you read her about section, it's really interesting reading her history. Right. And there's one line on there that really resonates with us. 
She says, my advice for female entrepreneurs is simple. Work hard and be original. Yeah. That's it. And she saw the need for something, and it wasn't there. Right. So she created it. She and that's kind of what women in business have. Exactly. You make the thing you want to see. Yes. So she started making amazingly adorable clothing and household items. I think she kind of started with the aprons, too. Like the the egg-collecting aprons. Uh-huh. When you have... Oh, I started out with four chickens, and so I was like, okay, I'm getting like one to four eggs a day. I uh-huh. didn't need an apron. Right. Now, you know, I have in the teens of chickens. So, yes, when you're collecting eggs, <laughs> I'll tell you. to put all these eggs. I still use a basket, and I'll tell you why. No, the apron is adorable, and yeah. I think when any person It's hard who's, to remember to put on sometimes. Well, I think any any person who's not as clumsy as I am is fine with an apron. <laughs> if you fall, you're Okay, trouble. no, I didn't fall. <laughs> I got in the coop, and I had eggs in my pockets, and I, I'm just clumsy. I bumped into the doorway on the way up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Busted eggs raise against my hand leg. If you've had an egg break in your coat pocket, I'm raising I don't have right. enough hands to raise. I'm raising mine right now, <laughs> because it's happened to all I've of us. put them in back pockets, I've put them in front I've done all kinds of it's stupid things with them. It's happened to the them. kids, and they come in, and they're in tears. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> but I really wouldn't want to mess up one of those gorgeous egg aprons, because they are really pretty. They are, but you can throw them in the washer. I mean... That's true. Pretty. I have one of the beautiful baking aprons. Yes, you do. We, I love it. We bake on Thanksgiving, and posted that really cool yes. picture of your apple pie, which... Looked good. That <laughs> that was a nice apple pie. That apron, though, I mean, it's got the roosters and the flowers. I love everything. The, the kids, ruffles. The kids actually had the kid aprons. Oh, do they? Because really they cute. wanted to collect eggs. And, you know, like you forget, like you said, and you're just like, boom. But they have, <laughs> she has everything. She has tea towels, pop holders, leggings. Coffee cups. Coffee cups. Anything that you want to be a little yeah. chick lamb. Yeah. And her prints are so They're super cute. cute. She has a lot of different designs. Some chickens, some have lots of farm animals. She's got some horses in there. She does. She has horses. And she has even, like, little kid, like, toddler dresses. Yeah. Like, when I look on there for magpie, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Uh You know, I don't know. Maybe my my niece slash goddaughter, you might be seeing a picture of her in one of these dresses (laughs) soon. And, you know, it's it's really cute cute stuff. Cute totes. Because... This is the thing we've been talking about across the board. When you're in the chickens, you're farming the chickens, you want to represent that in who you are. Sure. So, like Joe says, I can't take another chicken and some tchotchke in this house. I'm like, but um, the chicken I've seen a lot of places where chicken tchotchkes can still fit in this house. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. still fit in here. Plenty of space so, for chickens. So, but you want to represent what your passion is. And you want to, it doesn't, you know, so this well, is what you know, this website does. They're socks. If you think about the fact that just look at our statistics, 86% of our followers are female. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, we want this super cute stuff. That, that's who's farming these chickens in the backyard or right. moms. Pet chickens. Yeah. And the kids in the beginning all said, right. we're going to help you. Well, you know, we that's a whole other story. We know where that goes. That does not go to getting some help. So, you know, we want to look kind of farmy glam. It's fun. It's cute. It is. Fluffy Layers has that look down. They do. So you can find them on their website, which is fluffylayers.com. Exactly. Link in our show notes. They have an Etsy shop. They have an Amazon shop. Yes. Sometimes they are at local festivals. They are. So when I went to the poultry swap a few years ago. The Maryland poultry swap. The Uh Maryland poultry swap. Not this year when we went, but they were there. Yeah. And I spoke with them really nice, but this is way before our podcast. podcast Right, right. 
and you know she was there and she was explaining how there was a need for it so she just exactly filled the need right and it's a good company to get behind women owned we love those women owned companies yeah so check out the prints I don't know sometimes in your local feed stores you may see it's stuff true. fluffy layers now we have it partly because she's, she's a Maryland company she's a Maryland girl right. just like us right but she is na- she is national she now. is national yeah so you can find it check her out most of you have probably heard of her, but if you haven't, go look at her stuff. It's super just, cute. Just Google Fluffy Layers and it'll come up. Right. So, should we talk about what we're going to talk about next week? Absolutely. Next week, we are going to talk about probably the best known chicken breed in America, the and Rhode Island Red. The Rhode Island Red. Uh-huh. Our main topic is chicken mentor, building a chicken community. And this is something that is close to our hearts, so it's going to be great. Right. Our cracking the eggs is... Homemade mayonnaise. Yay! And you know what? Take a look out because we might be putting some pictures and videos out of us making some mayonnaise. Yes, we might. <laughs> and then our retail therapy spotlight is an artist. If you follow her on Instagram, she's under Soulful Chickens. Yay, can't wait. Yep, yeah, adorable. So with that, we'll wrap it up. Yeah, we'll say goodbye. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, always hug your chicken every day. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more from us, follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. To send us comments, feedback, suggestion, or questions, email us directly, Chrissy and Holly at CoffeeWithTheChickenLadies.com. Thanks for listening.